Welcome to Anchor Church this morning. I'm Pastor Carl, the lead pastor here for joining us online in the online world. Thank you for watching, but you should be in church. Come on. No, I'm just kidding. There's reasons why, right? We got to work, travel, we're sick and all of that kind of stuff. But just good to be with you guys this morning. Hey, we're, um, we're starting the season of Advent. How many of you guys know what Advent is or you've at least heard of the term before? Advent? Okay. How many of you guys like, don't know what's going on? You never heard of it? How many of you guys just didn't raise your hand? And you still won't raise your hand, right? Um, Advent. So here's Advent. Advent, we've only started doing this, practicing this at Anchor Church, um, starting from last year. And I just thought it's a really good thing. It's, just a, let's be clear with this. It's a Latin word, Adventus, that means the coming or the arrival of a notable person, thing, or event. And so in this case, it's people a long time ago. It's not biblical. It's not a, it's not a Bible commanded thing. The word's not in scripture. It's a bunch of Jesus followers from way back in the day. I don't know exactly when it started, but they just said, look, we got to make a bigger deal about Christmas. It's just not that one day a year. We need to get into it and we need to prepare for the arrival and the remembrance of the arrival of what Jesus did when he came to earth. And so for us, it's celebrating the season. It's it's typically, traditionally, the four Sundays before Christmas. Um, it's December. And it's just, basically, it's us getting in the mood and really just being fired up and focusing on Jesus and being prepared so that when Christmas comes, it's an even bigger deal because we're really just taking some time to dwell on it. You guys know what I'm talking about here? So Advent, we're, um, <clears throat> we're going to celebrate Advent with a whole series of sermons just um, preparing us for Jesus and focusing on the Jesus story because I think it's worth really getting all you can out of Christmas, yeah? Um, as soon as Thanksgiving rolls around, I'm already throwing out the Merry Christmases. I hope you are too. I hope you're just bringing in and reminding the world what it's all about. Um, how many of you guys have already got your tree? Come on, those the people got, you got on it early. How many of you guys, you're still struggling with that one a little bit? Come on, let me be honest, okay. See where we're at. You decorated your houses already? Lights are up, yeah? Awesome, my, my, my daughter came, she wanted the tree up. We do the artificial tree. And before you boo me out of the room, <clears throat> I did the real tree for years and years and years. And then I started watching too many YouTube videos how like one little match can like make your tree turn into bonfire and your house is gone. And I got all paranoid and I'm like, uh, maybe we should go artificial. So one year Target had trees like the day after Christmas, like 75% off. So we got like this super big nine foot tree kind of deal. Snap it together, lights are already on. It's like, boom, there it is, easy. <laughs> We go to Costco, we buy the wreaths so we get the smell in the house, and it's like Christmas just got easier at the Moore household. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Outside decorations, it's usually pretty hard string all the lights everywhere. Not this guy. You know why? Left the lights up from last year. <laughs> Come on. See, I'm down for making Christmas convenient and easy, right? More time to enjoy it and not stress about it. So there's a little tip for some of you guys. Leave them up year-round. Maybe inside too. Why not? The tree? It's artificial. I don't know. Anyway. <coughs> anyway, we're talking about Advent and just the season of preparing. So I put together a series that we're going to start today that we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks leading up to our Christmas Eve services and Christmas weekend. And um, I was rereading the Christmas story. And it's hard to preach year after year after year after year on the same story, but it's really not, actually, when you really look at it. You can, God gives you different angles and different things, and he's always teaching us something new. So I read it, and I thought about the story, and I go, I'm just going to take it at face value, the story. Not the story that I already know how it works out, the cute little baby in the manger, he's born, blah, 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 you know, we get that. 
That's how sometimes I approach Christmas, and I don't want it to become repetitive, uh, mediocre, blasé, because I know it already. I want to always be like reading God's word with, what's it saying to me today, right now, in my circumstances? New angle, fresh insight. So I said, what if we just looked at the Christmas story face value? Face value, you read the Christmas story, this is what I thought, and this is what I want to preach on today and the next few weeks is, the story doesn't really make sense. Look at the title for our Advent series, is a story that doesn't make sense. Now you would say, oh, that's, that's blasphemous. Don't question God. You know, that's the greatest story ever told. But really from a face value story, there's a lot of things in there that I question, not because I doubt God, but just because, man, that's, I wouldn't have done it that way. At face value, there's some questions. I wrote down some questions like this. Um, Why was Jesus's entrance, son of God coming to planet earth to be the savior of the whole planet? Why was his entrance filled with such difficulty, so many obstacles, and why was it so challenging? Why was it that like the way that he chose to do with Mary and Joseph and they're a good little couple, but now that she's pregnant, they're not married. Suddenly you got to think about this. All the community around them, God-fearing people are like, they think you're lying. It's like a full like scandal. Like what's going on? They're not married, but she's, she's pregnant. Yeah, right, Joseph, it wasn't you, right? And they're just, I mean, that's difficult in itself. And then the fact that they had to travel like 70, 80 miles for the census, she's pregnant. There's no room when they get there for them to stay. Like everything's just stacked against them. King Herod is out to kill them because he's threatened with this could be a king and I'm supposed to be the king. And everything that you read in this story is like, man, it's difficult. So I got questions. I'm reading this story. I'm like, this, this story doesn't really make perfect sense, God. Why did you choose a human baby? I mean, why if he's the savior of the world, he's the son of God, why did you make him weak and human? And why did you make him as a baby? Why, didn't it, why wasn't it just like, here comes my son, bam, it's like the rock, Dwayne Johnson. Bah! I'm Jesus Christ, right? And he's like invincible and he can like bench press the White House or something. Like he's like, ah, I'm Jesus. Why would you put him that weak. Like these are just weird questions. Again, face value. I'm not questioning God's intentions. And we're going to dig in and we're going to see why God makes perfect sense. But to us, it's kind of, it's weird. And there's questions I want to look at and study and answer. Why would you use as some of the main key characters in the story, people like shepherds who were the lowest of the low? Why why wasn't Jesus born into royalty? Why wasn't he born like already a millionaire? Why wasn't he born a military leader? These are all things that the Jews were thinking he was going to be like. The the story is just kind of weird. And here's the the one we're going to focus on today. Before you even read the story, you got to ask yourself, why would God even bother with us, mankind, in the first, first place? Why would God go through the motions of sending his son after, if you're God, and you look at the history of relationship with you and the people you created, All they ever do is betray you and hurt you and turn their back on you. They love you for a little while and then they blow it. And there's this long history of, man, those people are flakes. Anybody got friends of yours in life that are just flakes and you know it? Come on, raise your hand if they're sitting next to you right now. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But there's people that let you down. So here's what I want to talk about today. Why would God even bother with us? Hashtag undeserving right? We are undeserving people. We sang that song that says, you loved, you loved a people undeserving. I want to take a look at Christmas and some of the Christmas story today through the lens of why would God bother with us? Because if you're like me, there are people in your life that you don't want to bother with anymore, that you don't bother with. You know, if there's a naughty and a nice list, they're definitely on the naughty list, right? 
and it's not jokingly, but literally, there may be people that have hurt you, that were once friends or family to you, but they've betrayed your trust, or they've, they've done things that just like, man, have knocked you down or tore you down, and, and you, you, they're just not on the good list. You're on your blacklist, and it's like, there's people that you will give Christmas gifts to, but these are not those people, right? These are the people that deserve the lump of coal in their stocking. These are the people that maybe if you give them a gift, you're giving them fruitcake, right? Because <laughs> nobody likes fruitcake, let's be honest, right? It's not really a fruit, and it's not really a cake. It's weird, right? I mean, you get anybody in, in there with me? You agree? It's weird. It's not really, I mean, what is that anyway? So to me, please don't give me fruitcake. It's not funny. Don't like it as a joke. Ah-ha. Because you know what happens if you give it to me even as a joke? One of you is getting it back because I'm just regifting it. So don't give me fruitcake. Fruitcake is a passive-aggressive gift in my book. And so it's something terrible that you think is funny. Hey, here, I got you a gift. Ah, right? But there's people in our lives that you and I, because they've hurt us, now you may not go around hating them. You can have forgiveness, which means, uh, you know what, I'll let them off the hook, but I'm not going to have a relationship with them. Because how many of you guys know that trust is earned and not just given. You don't just automatically be best friends with someone. The Bible tells us, try as hard as you can to live at peace with all people. Well, peace doesn't mean you have a great friendship. It just means, look, you know what, you hurt me, and let's just be cool and peaceful, agree to disagree, and let's not be in each other's lives. And that's okay, as long as you're not carrying animosity around. But there's people in our lives that you just don't want to bother with anymore because you know if you get close again, they're just going to hurt you again. And now, This is the premise of what I'm talking about today is that God, in my reasoning and the way I look at it as a human being, had no reason to bother with us anymore. After all that we've done from the beginning of creation through giving all of the law and the prophets and us keep letting him down, why would he go so far as to give his only son to come down and to die and to do the whole rest of the story? Why would God bother? Listen to Psalms Chapter 8, verse 3 and 4, and this is David, the psalmist, writing. In the message version, I love the way it says it so clearly and so in our own words. He says, I look up at your macro skies. He's talking to God. Your huge skies. I look up at them, dark and enormous. Your handmade sky jewelry, the moon and all the stars mounted in their settings. Then I look at my micro self and I wonder, why do you bother with us? Why take a second look our way? And the message I want to bring to you guys this morning is, It doesn't really make sense when you think about it that the God of creation would give us a second look, would give us a second chance. But when you understand the depth of God's unconditional, amazing love and grace for you and I, it's going to actually change the way you live. It's going to change the way that you view Christmas. It's going to change the way you live your life in knowing that I don't deserve it. Let's just talk right about that right right off. First point is, Write this one down because you need to remind yourself of it. Because too many times we as Christians, we walk around entitled. God is a God of love. He has to love me. He loves me. I'm awesome, blah, blah, blah. No, you're not awesome. I'm not awesome. You know, the Bible, according to the Bible, to God, not Carl, the Bible says all I deserve is hell because I have sinned and I've fallen short of the standard that God says, hey, for people to hang out with me, you got to be perfect and holy and righteous. And basically the Bible says that's none of us. Think about this. In the very beginning story of the Bible, when God uh, creates man and woman in the Garden of Eden, right? The whole story is, I'm God, I want to be your father, I want to love you, and I want you to have a relationship with me. And if we play by those rules, then everybody's going to be taken care of. But what did we, mankind, do? 
is we got tempted with that one fruit, right? You can do anything in the Garden of Eden you want, just don't eat the fruit of that tree, the knowledge of good and evil, right? And what did we do as, as human beings? We want things our own way. God, I love this garden. This is really cool, but that fruit looks really good. How many of you guys believe it was not an apple, right? It was not. It doesn't say anywhere in the Bible it was an apple. I don't even like apples because it's always a gamble. You bite it, you don't know if it's going to be unreal good or that like mushy paste. Blah, 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 blah. You guys know what I'm talking about? Apples? You can't trust them. Untrustworthy fruit. I'm thinking more along the lines of a big juicy mango. Who loves a mango right here? Or a good papaya, you know? Papayas don't let you down. Like there's a lady in the church that she brings me every once in a while papaya from her tree. Hey, pastor, I brought you a papaya. She has a bag, like a Target bag. I was like, oh, how many did you bring me? One? I'm like, one? I open it up. It's like a newborn child. The thing is like, <laughs> it's like breakfast for like four days. It's so big. So either way, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they said, God lets us do anything. We love him, but can't eat that one. And sure enough, mankind, man, we want that one. And they eat it, and they break God's heart, and they're banished from the garden. Then all throughout the Old Testament, think about this. There's all the miracles of God. He's reaching out. He gives the law through his prophet, through Moses, all of his prophets, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Isaiah, all of these different guys to always be speaking God's heart and message for his people. But what happens time and time and time again is they love him and then they walk away and they do their own thing. Where's the other fruit I want to eat? Like they want to do their own thing. And it's crazy to think that after being betrayed and let down and, and having turned their back on God that many times, that why would God bother sending his only son to pay the price to die for someone like you and me. In fact, Romans 3.23 says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. So first and foremost, in our heads, lock it in. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve the Christmas story. So next time you're like, you know, reading the Christmas story, you hear all the, the things in the stores and all that we celebrate in church. It's like, oh yeah, I know it's a cute little story. No, it's, it's kind of trippy. It's kind of a big deal that God would even bother with us in the first place because all we constantly and consistently do is let him down. But here's the hope that I'm preaching today because I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings or knock you down or make you feel guilty. We don't deserve it, but here's the second point is God is chasing after us. The whole story of, of Christmas is God's love is so big and crazy and indescribable and unconditional. You know what unconditional means? That means there's no conditions attached. It doesn't matter what you do or say that God will never run out of love for you, that he will always just love you. If you say yes to him and enter into a relationship, then it's unconditional. It says God, God's going, I'm not going to take it away from you, but his unconditional love and his grace for us. In fact, in Luke chapter two, taking up part of the Christmas story, there's an angel that appears to shepherds. You guys know the story. We don't know who the angel is, right? There's two angels that are named by name in the whole Bible, and that's Gabriel and that's Michael, right? And we know that Gabriel earlier appeared to Mary and, and he appeared to Zechariah, uh, who was John the Baptist's um, father. We hear that there's Gabriel. Most often when you read in scripture, Gabriel is a messenger. He brings a message for God. There's a lot of unnamed angels throughout the Bible. They don't, we don't know their names. It just said an angel appeared. But then there's the other one that's named, and his name is Michael. Anywhere Michael appears in the Bible, oftentimes in Jude, Daniel, Revelation, Michael is mentioned as a leader of heaven's armies. He's like the general or the captain or the prince of, of heaven's armies. And every time he shows up, he's fighting in the heavenlies. He's spiritually warring against darkness. And he's usually fighting for God's purposes. And oftentimes it's for us. So we don't know who the angel is in Luke 2, but listen to what he says. 
along the premise of God's chasing after you. He says, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem in the city of David. Here's what's going on. He reveals himself to these shepherds and he goes, guys, I'm about to blow your mind. You heard the prophecies. You heard all of this stuff. You tried to keep the law. You couldn't keep the law. Hebrews chapter seven and eight tells us how we, we kept on having to bring sacrifices and come to the priest and do all of this. And Hebrews says, no, that's, that's the old system. God made a better way, a new covenant. Jesus is our once and for all high priest. And when we atone, when he atones for sins, he goes to the father for us. It's a one-time deal. Now we have relationship with God. Here's the, the angel coming and saying, hey, I've got some amazing good news for you guys. Some awesome news that's gonna shake up the whole world and the whole spiritual system. Isaiah 9, chapter six, Isaiah is prophesying years and years before, 700 years before Jesus. He says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. And he describes him. Here's how big of a deal it is. The whole government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called, and he gives four terms, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, and prince of peace. Think about each one of these things. The real original language here in the Hebrew when it's talking about the word wonderful and counselor, well, you guys know what counselor means. It means someone that gives you advice and directs your life and helps guide you. But the word wonderful, it's far more than just when we would say like, oh, that's a wonderful Christmas tree back there. Have a wonderful day. You have a wonderful dog. You know, it's like more than just like, hey, that's nice. The word actually says it's awe-inspiring, incomprehensible that we can't even understand what's going on. That's the word to describe Jesus that just happened. God sent Jesus because he's chasing after us. He wants Jesus to be our mind-blowing guide for direction and finding our path in life. When nothing makes sense, Jesus is going to be the one that's going, I'm going to blow your mind. If you just listen to me, I'm going to blow your mind at the direction I'm going to lead you in. Secondly, it talks about the mighty God. It means his power is unlimited. It means the stuff that you, you think in your limited view of miracles that could happen, God is bigger, he's better than that. He's an everlasting father. That means he'll never stop loving you like a dad loves you. Some of you in here don't understand the love of a father. Maybe you had a messed up father. Maybe your, your dad's good, but he's got his bad side. Maybe some of you never knew your father. Well, God goes, I, I don't care what you think about being a father is. I'm gonna always be the one that loves you like a dad. I'm the father that shows up to every one of your little league games. I'm the father that when you fall and skin your knee, I'm right there with the neosporin, the band-aid. I'm there to hug you, to hold you. I'm the dad that when you get terrible grades, you don't have to do like what I did in high school, like try to turn the D's into B's. Like, <laughs> right? Hey, dad, look, I got straight B's. And it's like, wait a minute. Here's, here's the dad. He's the father that says, I don't care the mess of your life or what you bring me. I love you anyway because I'm your father. Is that good? See, that's, that's the Jesus that we're talking about here that has come. And so this is, a, this is a big deal, huge, big deal. And then it says, this one I love. He's the prince of peace. Doesn't it sound like a, a wrestler introduction? <laughs> the prince of peace, right? Uh, here's what I wrote down. He's the captain of calm, the originator of rest. He's the master of mellow. He's the head honcho of harmony, the superman of serenity. He will give you the ability to have tranquility. <laughs> Jesus Christ, right? And Jesus is like, ah, he comes on. He's like, yeah. That Jesus is going, I don't care what you struggle with that's causing you chaos and stress in your life. Man, Jesus came so that you can have peace. You can have rest, amen? This is, this is the, the, the Jesus that we're describing here. Romans 5.8, Paul writes, God showed his great love for us 
by sending Christ to die for us while we were still, still sinners. You know what it's saying right there is that God was chasing after us, is that this little baby grew up to be that man that went to that cross that gave his life so that we could have life ourselves, that he died for us so that we could live in him, is that God gave his only son. Think about this. God in heaven, he's happy, he's comfortable. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all there. And God goes, oh man, these people keep screwing up on me, but I love them so much. Jesus, I'm gonna ask you to do something, son, pretty heavy. I want you to leave the safety of heaven and go down there and be mocked and be ridiculed and tortured and crucified because I love those people that much. Oh my gosh, that's heavy. That God was chasing after you and I. It's not just some little story where we happen to enter into this relationship with God. It was a huge sacrifice for God. He was chasing after us. He let his own son leave heaven. Now, here's what you need to understand in the Christmas message is that the story of Jesus becoming a little baby growing up and all of this is a story of a God that loves you so much that he's chasing after you. It's not, it's long gone are the days of the Old Testament where God was like, oh, take a memo uh, messenger and go down there and tell these people, tell the prophets. Here's God personally came down, Emmanuel, meaning God with us. He became us because he's chasing after you and I because he wants relationship with us. That he says we're worthy no matter if we don't feel we're worthy. Here's the deal you got to hear today. Some of you came in here thinking wrongly about God. God is not mad at you. God is not punishing you. God is not willingly trying to bring any harm in your life. God is not embarrassed by the things that you do. He's not disappointed in you. He's here. He came with Jesus. He's here to make your life better. See, he's not embarrassed. The other day I was on a conference call with a bunch of pastors and it was one of those video things on your computer where you can see like a bunch of people and we're all there looking at each other's faces and talking and you can hear each other and all that. Video conference call, two hours like 12 different pastors. And about six of them are on screen, and then they only let about six on screen. The other ones, you can hear them all through audio. So in the middle of this, one of the pastors is talking, hey, you know, I believe that we should do this about church or God or whatever, something serious, right? And we're all, we're all listening, and yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden, you hear one of the guys that's not on the camera, but you can hear his voice anyway. You hear him go, hey, what? And you're like, oh, who's, well, that's kind of abrasive, you know? Like, and he's like, what are you yelling at me for? And we're like, oh, what, what's going on? Right? Everyone's all kind of quiet. And you look at the guys on the screen, they're all like this. <laughs> Awkward silence. And then you hear like that guy that's yelling, you hear his wife in the background. Bah, 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 bah. And we're like, oh, no. And they go, what? No, you're yelling at me. And we're like, uh. And then someone finally goes, hey, uh, uh, pastor, your microphone is not muted. And everyone's all. And it's super quiet, right? And then you just hear like, oh, I thought it was. My bad, right? And we're just all sitting there like. And so somehow we just try to like pretend it never happened, you know? And it's like, so anyway, right? And just keep on going. But in my head, in my heart, I'm just thinking, I, I couldn't laugh because I was like, screen. Well, I was thinking, oh, I'm so glad that wasn't me, guys. So, whoo. And the other thing I'm feeling is like, oh, I'm so glad that that guy's like me too because that's probably something I would do. And I'm just thinking, how embarrassing for you, right? But here's what you got to know about God is he's chasing after you. He knows everything that you do. He's not embarrassed by stupid stuff like that. He knows the, the dumb things that you've done in life. He's not disappointed in you. He's not embarrassed by you. The message of Christmas is he's chasing after you. I'm the God in heaven. I want to become human. I want to be like you. I want to know you. I want to talk to you. I want you to realize that I'm here and I really love you. Amen? Amen. 
I compare myself to pastors sometimes because of my role, right? Like, oh, I hope I'm, I'm holy enough. I hope I'm righteous enough. And I go, I, I'm not. I look at my social media stuff and compare it to these other guys that I respect and they're like dropping all this wisdom and their Bible quotes everywhere and like all of this stuff. And I'm just like, like my social media, my Instagram posts are more like, like this, check this one out. <laughs> That's the kind of stuff I post. You guys see what's happening here? I said, I got these lazy glasses on Amazon. They're incredible. I can relax and lay flat on my back, see the TV, laptop, or phone at a 90 degree angle in front of me. $5 Amazon. It's like a great stocking stuffer. But I'm telling you, that's the holiness of this pastor, okay? But here's what I know about God. Is God's okay with that? That God knows who I am and, he, and he's proud of me anyway. And he's proud of you. And whatever mistakes you're feeling or guilt, some of you walked into church, it was all you could do to raise your head and make eye contact and give a little like, good morning, hey, Merry Christmas. Because inside you're just feeling like this. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I'm so sorry, God, I don't deserve to be here. Uh, you don't need to do anything in my life, I'm unworthy. You need to understand that, that, that God loved us so much that he chased after us as broken and as messed up as we are. While we were still sinners, he sent his son Jesus to come to this earth and grow up and die for us. But here's what you also need to know. This changed my whole uh, uh, kind of concept of thinking about Christmas. Really, this verse is incredible. And I want you to write this down. Christmas was an invasion. Just write that down. Christmas was an invasion. I'm gonna explain it in a minute. Because here's what it was. All of heaven, right? The power of heaven was now coming down to invade the darkness of earth and allow a light to shine that was gonna be a light of the world that was gonna give us a way back to relationship with God. Do you get that? It's a big deal. That, listen to this. The enemy at the time, here's the devil at the time, he's pretty pleased with himself up until Jesus. He's pretty much going, uh, you know what? Um, all of these people, so funny. God tries to give them laws and prophets, and for a little while they follow him, and then you know what? I get them. I distract them. I bring them all my way, and they keep letting God down, breaking relationship. Oh, man, I got a handle on all these, these Jews. I can handle them. They, keep, they have a history of letting God down. And then he's thinking, all the people in the world that aren't Jews... And the Gentiles, none of them have relationship with God. So all of those people, they're mine. That's my team. That's my, I got this. I got this whole world. He's feeling pretty cocky, pretty confident of himself. But you have to understand this. When Jesus came, game changer. When heaven invaded earth and Jesus came down for us personally, the devil went, oh, crap. Or, oh, no. <laughs> right? The devil's like, oh, what just happened? Wait, he's there? He's come, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. This is like, it changed everything. Look at, and look, look at the way that I read this next verse. This is what this next verse realized. This changed my whole way of thinking. Here's the verse. Luke chapter two, verse 13, where it says, the shepherds are hanging out with that one angel. We don't know who that angel was. People think it was Gabriel because he came earlier to talk to Mary. I don't think it was Gabriel. It says, suddenly this one angel that was talking to the shepherds was joined by a vast host of others. Here's what it says, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Now here's what I read when I read this story is, first of all, I never caught before that it said the armies of heaven. There's a couple translations that actually say the, the choir of angels joined them. The reality is I looked up this word in the original language. I looked up this whole verse and I'm like, what is it really, really honestly saying here? And in the Greek and all these other commentaries say that the original wording here is actually armies, not choir. 
See, I'm thinking that one angel shows up and he's like, hey, I'm about to say something to you guys. Glory to God in the highest. But here's what I always thought. But I want to sing it. Right? He's thinking, he's like, hey, can, can, uh, can the worship team join me on the stage? And can someone, someone pad over here in the background while we sing this thing together? And in my head, I'm always thinking, even in the songs, a choir of angels showed up with robes and they're like, hey, glory to God in the highest. You know, and they're doing their thing. And the reality is, that's not what it's saying. In all these commentaries in the original language, it actually is saying, armies of angels showed up. And armies are not worship leaders in robes. These are the guys that were prepared for battle. These were the biggest and the baddest angels that heaven has to offer. And I start thinking, when it says angel, that wasn't Gabriel. I think it was the other one. I think that was Michael. Because if he's there with the armies, he's the leader of heaven's armies. And I, suddenly I get a different view and glimpse of Christmas and this baby being born. It's not a soft, mushy little baby Jesus. You know what's happening here? is God is showing up to pick a fight. Like it's going down. This is pretty heavy for us. Is all of the angels show up. And when it says they're praising God and saying glory to God in the highest, it doesn't say they were singing. Praising, the original words for praising and saying are the words to proclaim, to call out, to exhort, and to, to yell. It's almost like they're doing the haka or something like that. Right? <laughs> No, I want you to think about this. I, I'm looking at this, the original text it was written in, and people want to write it like it was, it was worship time. It wasn't worship. It was God's angels, the biggest and the gnarliest guys, showing up, taking their shirts off because they're ready to rumble, right? They're like, what? Right? They're calling out the forces of darkness, and they're going, hey, everything just changed. Mankind couldn't keep the laws and the prophets and all this, so God himself is coming. So guess what? There's a baby being born in a manger right now, that little kid, and with him comes all of the power and the love and the glory of heaven itself, so get ready, right? Oh, that changes. God is throwing down. God is ready to fight. He shows up and he goes, I'm just putting you on notice. This is what's happening right now. And we need to understand that that God in heaven did that for us. He came to pick a fight because he said we were worth it. Amen? He came to rumble because he's like, I love these guys so much. So when you really understand that love about Christmas and the, the Jesus story, it's got to change you. When you really get that someone really, really loves you, you think and act differently towards them and you carry yourself differently, don't you? Think about in human relationships, okay? God aside, human relationships. My wife has been working back on staff with us again in the church, and it's so awesome having her around and all the gifts that she brings to the table. And, and uh, I was in a meeting, long, a long meeting the other day. Actually, several meetings. I, like, never left my spot. New meetings just come, came in. I just kept having more meetings. I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, this is eternity in my meeting conference room or whatever. And it's like 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and I just I hadn't left the seat for a long time. And my wife came and she saw that and I was in a meeting. And without saying anything, I didn't say anything. I often go um, full days without lunch. I just forget about it. I'm so busy and I just keep going. But my wife popped her head in. She saw me and I was just meeting, 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 right? And like two minutes later, she came in and she just gave me a sandwich. And then she just walked out. And I was like eating my sandwich. And I just thought, oh, that's so cool. I didn't say anything. I didn't ask her for it. No one told her to. And this is all I thought. My wife loves me. Oh, that's... That's good. To you, you're like, I get sandwiches every day, Carl, big deal. But to me, <laughs> but to me, I'm like, oh, I didn't ask. Oh, that's, she just saw the need and she just loves me. 
And you know what no, that does when, when someone loves me like that or, or I've been in, through hard times and I've, been, I've faced gossip before and I've faced all this other kind of stuff and the friends that stood by me in that time rather than going, ooh, that looks messy, I'm out of here, just don't, you know, whatever, I'll pray for you. Those are the fake shallow friends. The real friends are the ones that are in the mess and they're in the trenches with you. Those are friends that love you, right? So I'm thinking my wife, the sandwich, the people in my life that have defended me and walked through stuff with me. You know what it does for me? It causes me to live differently and act differently and talk differently around them and about them. I pray differently for those people. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, God bless them. I'm like, God, thank you so much for those people in my life. Thank you for putting, Lord, all of their desires, would you just bless them? Would you just come to, I pray differently about them. I think differently about them. I act and I talk differently to them because I know that they're really there. They really love me. They're, they're willing to throw down and fight for me if necessary. Here's the thing, I talk about them differently. I brag about them to other people because of their love that they have for me. Now here's the thing, when you understand the love of God in Jesus that came, that he was ready to throw down and to fight and to come after you when you and I didn't deserve it, but he's willing to sacrifice his son anyway, it changes us. And there's three things I think that we can talk about in responding and you can write them down real quick. The first one is when you understand God's love for you, you learn to receive it. You have to receive it well. We always talk about Christmas time, the gift of giving, but so many of us in our culture in Hawaii too, with shame and everything, we need to learn the gift of receiving, to receive well, because it's, it's God wanting to bless us. His love is available, but we actually have to take it in. Revelation 3.20, Jesus, he says, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and you open the door, then I'll come in and we'll share a meal together as friends. Here's what you gotta see. God sent Jesus to earth and all he's doing every day for us, he's knocking on the door of our hearts and our lives and he's going, hey, I got more for you, I love you. Oh, but I'm unworthy, I'm this, no, 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 I got more for you, just let me in, just let me in. It's up to you and I to open the door. He won't automatically force himself. That's where free will comes into play. He presents the love, but we have to receive the love. That means we need to allow it. There's times when people show up to my house and they, hey, how's it going, can I come in? And I look back at my house and I go, no. It's pretty dirty, like it's jacked up, like, no, I don't want to let you in, you're going to judge me, right? Because there's some friends that will come in, and they'll be like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> uh, well, I'll just stop you by, I'll come another time, right? And you're like, ah, oh, judgy, right? They're just, <laughs> they're judgy friends. But real friends, think about this, real friends will come in your house if it's messy, they'll sit on your dirty laundry on the couch, like they don't care, like they'll go help themselves to the food in your fridge, and you know what, here's what real friends will do. Real friends will say, oh, yeah, it's messy. Yeah, you know what? Let me help you clean up. They'll start folding your underwear, and they, they, they don't care. <laughs> Think about this. God is knocking, going, I'll come in. I don't care about the mess. In fact, you let me in, I'll help you clean up that mess in your life. But you have to choose to receive it. You have to learn the gift of receiving. Because it says in Romans 9, 16, it's God who decides who to show mercy. Mercy is love and compassion and help. He says, it's up to God to decide who to show mercy. We can neither, neither choose it nor work for it. You know what that's telling me is? It's not up to me if I feel worthy of God's love. God says, no, no, I decide who I give mercy and love to. And I came, I came out of heaven to chase after you, Carl. And wherever you're sitting is God is the one that decides, no, I'm gonna love you. And it's not for me to say, no, I'm unworthy. Like, no, people have given me gifts before. Hey, here, Carl, I want to give you all this money. What? No way, that's way too much money. No, don't give that to me. Hey, I got a, you know what, my, my used car, I got a new one. Let me give my car to you. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And I just want to like, no, I'm not worthy. No way, don't, don't waste your time and money and efforts. I'm not worthy. 
But here's the reality is those people always tell me the same thing. Hey, it's, it's, I don't care about your opinion. It's for me, I love you, and I want to bless you, so you have to receive this gift. And that's what God is saying right there. It's not for you to decide if you think you're worthy enough. God's knocking, and he goes, I know you're worthy. I'm the one that gets to choose if you're worthy. I've got all this love that I chased you from heaven to earth to come after you, and it's up to you to just say, okay, I'll receive it. You walk around not feeling shameful. You walk around feeling grateful. I have the gift of receiving. Thank you, God. I want more of it. I know I'm not worthy, but you say that I'm worthy. Amen? That's, that's, so we got to learn to receive it. Secondly, we got to learn to return it. See, it's a natural reaction if God loves you that much that you wouldn't feel like, ah, oh, so what? I got to go to church. I got to read my Bible. I got to pray. How long? Two minutes. Uh, right? <laughs> but if someone loves you that much, you're like, now what can I do to get, get next to those people? I want to hang out with that person. I want to be, be where God is. I want to be in his house. I want to come to church because that's where, that's where God is, this God that, that, that chased me down from heaven. Oh, I want that. I want to read my Bible because it's the one that loves me and chased after me is talking to me. I want to hear what he has to say because he cares about me. Amen? And when I worship, a response, you know, a good indicator of your heart is you come in here because what worship is is us returning to God what he gave to us, right? It's not about us. I don't like this song. I hate this song. Who cares? It's you're singing it to God. It's about him. It's not about you. And so one of the indicators of our heart is we come into praise and worship. It's like, yep, I'm in. Let me give some, some love back to God, right? And you pray. I want to pray because, man, God blessed me with this day today that's incredible. Oh, man, Christmas, what a good reminder that God and his boys all showed up to fight for me, to come rescue me. Oh, I'm in. How do I get more of God? Amen? Amen. So you got to learn to return it. But the third thing is so, so important in the Christmas time, but year-round, is we have to share it. The love that God's been given to us, he says, I want you to take that and I want you to actually be contagious and spread it all around to everybody in this world. Look at Matthew 5.14 and the message. It says, here's another way to put it. You're here, Christians, to be the light, bringing out the God colors in this world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill, which is kind of cool that Anchor Church is up on a hill over our city. I just love that. But it says, you're here, you're going public like a city on a hill. If, you, if I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you in a light stand. Now that I put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Isn't that a good word? Shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Here's what I know that Scripture tells me. Jesus is the light of the world. If Jesus is the light, then my job as a Christian is simply to reflect. Amen? Your job is to reflect. You understand the nature of God's unconditional love for you? He's a God of grace that says, I don't care where you've been or what you've done. As long as you come my way, I'm going to help you fix it and make everything right. He's a God that's not out to get you. He's a God that's out to help you and to uplift you and to, to fix what's broken in your life. He, he loves you. He believes in you. He's got your back. And that if you understand that, you can't help but give that away to other people. Amen? So we got to shine. And there's a, there's a song that we sang earlier on in um, the service here this morning. And as I was putting this together, it kind of, the words just kind of hit perfectly to me what this is all about. The fact that I don't deserve the love of God, but God chased after me because he loves me so much. And the God that sent Jesus, listen to this, he's the same God today that's still chasing after you. 
that Jesus, his Holy Spirit, he just, he just wants a relationship, but he won't force. He's just knocking. Man, just, I, I got so much for you. I don't care how long you've been a Christian. Let me in every day, 500 times a day. I got more for you. I'm knocking, I'm knocking, I'm knocking. And it's up to us to understand that love and to respond to it. And the, the words in this song look, that we read earlier says, it's, it's words to the Father. I know you gave the world your only son for us to know your name. To live within the Savior's love, he took my place. Jesus took my place. Again, I don't deserve it. I'm worthy. I'm deserving of hell. But God said, no, no. Jesus is going to die for you. He took my place knowing he'd be crucified. Jesus came willingly. And then it says, to the Father, you loved. You really loved a people undeserving. And I want us to grasp that this morning. Some of us, for the first time, the, the Christmas story has gotten old and mediocre to us. And maybe today we've, we've kind of come to understand it in a new light a little bit. God's chasing after us. And that in order for us to receive that love is, is we need to actually open the door of our heart and let the Holy Spirit come in and minister to us and then to return it. So I'm going to ask something just a little bit different this morning. I'm going to ask that we would all stand together and we're going to sing that song one last time. And I'm praying that if you feel led that God spoke to you this morning, that you take the, to heart the words of this song and realize as you sing out to God that you are undeserving and you get it, but that God loves you so much. And in singing this song right now, some of you aren't used to singing out loud in church or whatever, you'd sing anyway as a way to say, I need to learn to respond to that a little bit more. I need to sing out a little bit more. And it may be for some of you guys, small step, just even mouthing the words, singing them out. But what you're doing is saying, I get it. God's chasing after me and I need to respond to this. And in singing this song, we're just gonna do that. We're gonna respond to that love. So if you know the words, close your eyes. If you need to look, that's fine as well. But would you guys just lead us in that song right now? Thank you. Cause I know you gave the world your only son for us to know your name. Believe within the Savior's love and you took my place. Knowing he'd be crucified in your love, your love, a people on to serving. I know you gave the world your only sign for us to know your name, to live within the Savior's love, and it took my place, knowing He'd be crucified in your love, your love, a people are deserving. Oh
crucified and you love, you love a people undeserving. Today, Father God, that we don't deserve the love that you gave to us. Lord, please don't ever let the Christmas story just become routine or ritualistic or just a religious thing. Help us to grasp the fact that you, you came after us because your love is so good. It's so big and we don't feel worthy, but that's not for us to decide. You're not embarrassed by us. You're not disappointed in us. You haven't given up on us. You're not punishing us. You're reaching out every single day, knocking at the door of our hearts and our lives. And it's up to us just to recognize that and receive it. So Lord, I pray this morning right now that we as your church, as your people, would receive your love and that we would return it. Lord, that we would not just receive it and allow you to come in, but we'd give it back to you and we'd shine it bright for the rest of this world to see. Lord, in our families, in the neighborhoods, in our jobs, in our workplace, wherever, God, that but we would understand the depth of your love given to a people undeserving. God, we love you. We thank you for Christmas. Help us to enter into this Advent season just fired up and excited. Lord, that we as your people, Christians, should look that much more generous and encouraging and cheerful and full of joy and filled with hope than even the rest of the world that celebrates this awesome holiday. Lord, we love you. We thank you. If there's anybody in here today that you've never made a commitment to Jesus Christ to follow him, with every eye closed and head bowed, if you've never made a commitment to say, I want to be a Christian, a follower of Jesus. I didn't get it before. I get it now. I get what's happening here is that God was reaching out to have a relationship with me in my life. He just wants to bless me. He's not trying to be all religious and legalistic. He just wants to make my life better. And all you have to do, if that's you right now and you're ready to take a step of faith to say, I want to give it a shot with God. I want to take a step of faith and say yes to being a Christian and to being part of his family just to see what he could begin to do in my life if I would follow him. If that's you, I want to lead you in a real quick prayer right now. It's quick and it's small, but it's huge as far as as what you're saying to God in your heart. And I'm going to pray the words out loud and I'm going to ask you to pray them quietly in your heart, that you would make them the cry of your heart. Because here's the awesome thing about God is he judges us on our hearts. And after service, we can go and tell someone, speak out loud that we prayed that prayer. But right now, God's looking for a heart that's sold out for him. And if that's where you're at right now, then I would ask that you would pray along with me as I pray this thing out loud. It's a prayer that would just allow you to become a Christian and a follower of Jesus and watch what he could begin to do in your life in a new way. I just want to ask one thing. I just want to ask who in this room would be praying with me. Everyone's got their eyes closed and their heads bowed. But if you'd like to pray this prayer with me in a minute here, I'm going to ask you one thing. Would you just raise your hand right now just so I know who I'm praying with? Can you just raise it up and hold it up high until I see you? I want to see. I see a hand over here. I see a couple hands. Two hands, I'm looking around three, someone else over here. Anybody else, this is the prayer of your heart that you just want to say yes to Jesus in a new way. Good, I saw a few hands in the room today. I saw about three hands, I think. That's awesome. Go ahead and put your hands down, and I want you just to make this the prayer of your heart to God. God, I'm here today, and I realize that you're God, and I'm not. I realize that I need you, that you're big, you created me, you love me, you want relationship with me, and your whole motive was to chase after me and to get to that relationship. God, I know I don't deserve it, but you say I do. You went so far as to prove it with the, the death of your own son. And then the incredible thing is he rose again, overcoming death itself and sin itself. So Lord, I'm telling you here today is I want you in my life. I believe that Jesus came to this earth and he went to that cross to pay the price for my sin and my separation, my wanting to go my own way, that Jesus died for that. He rose from the dead to prove his power over the the hold of sin in my life. And God, 
I'm here right now asking you that you would forgive me and that you're going to help me to overcome all the bad habits and the things that are they're, they're hurting in my life. And I'm not going to be perfect, but I know I'm forgiven and that you're going to walk through my life with me day to day until I see you in heaven face to face. So Lord, right now I acknowledge that Jesus did that for me and that you're making me a new creation. And I'm saying yes to you from the bottom of my heart. Everything you have for me in my life, as I read my Bible, as I go to church, as I get water baptized, Lord, everything that's available, my answer is yes. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving me a second chance. Thank you for all the the second chances you're gonna give me as I live out this life. Help me to do my best to have the best life possible because of you and because of Jesus. Thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen. Can we praise God for those people that prayed this morning? Amen.